Good evening and welcome to the Q&A show. We are live, we're interactive. My name is Cyrus Fernando and I'm here on the Q&A show every Monday at 10 o'clock UK time here to take your questions. Any, any questions that you may have about the Bible, the scriptures, interpretations, then you can always write to us. And tonight joining us on the programme is Pastor Derek Walker from the Oxford Bible Church. Pastor Derek, are you there? I'm here. Thank you, Cyrus. Pastor Derek, thank you so much indeed for joining us. So we're going to call this tonight's programme is the Q&A special on Israel. We just want to talk about the biblical importance of Israel because this is what we're going to be showing our viewers and talking about tonight is the biblical importance of Israel. Christians have joined in the condemnation of major Hamas attacks on Israel that has prompted Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to declare we are at war. Thousands of missiles rained down on Israel from Gaza Strip in a surprise attack launched across land, sea and air in the early hours of Saturday the 7th of October, killing a, killing a thousand and injuring many more thousands. The Archbishop of Canterbury and New York have issued joint statements condemning attacks and calling for restraint on both sides. We are grieved deeply and concerned over the violence in Israel and Gaza and we unequivocally condemn the attacks by Hamas. They said, we pray for those who are mourning, those who have been injured and those who are fearing for their safety. The Congress of Christian leaders have issued an emergency call for prayer for the peace and security of Israel, saying churches all over the world will gather, standing with Israel and dedicating time to pray for Israel. So Pastor Derek Walker, I would like to ask you, can you give our viewers an insight into the biblical perspective? Why is Israel important for us as Christians? Absolutely. The uh, really to understand the Bible, really, you can't really miss it as long as you don't have theological blinders on you. Um, Israel is at the center of God's purposes from Genesis to Revelation. And uh, right from the beginning, God, uh, when man fell and fell under the power of Satan, God announced that he would, two programs that he is going to bring in, this is salvation program and his kingdom program. And so he was first of all going to save mankind through the virgin born, the seed of the woman, the Messiah. And also he would establish his kingdom through, through this Messiah. And in Genesis 12, God called Abraham out of all the, the, the peoples of the earth. He called this one man Abraham and then made a covenant with him and his sons Isaac and then Jacob, uh, which then became the nation of Israel. And God chose Israel uh, to be the, the center of the fulfillment of those both of those programs. Now, we often as Christians just think about salvation. The, the first thing that uh, was accomplished, of course, was at Christ's first coming. He came as a, the suffering Savior, as the Lamb of God, and he did the key thing in accomplishing salvation for us. But, of course, we must remember that Jesus was a Jew. He was brought th forth through uh, the Abrahamic covenant, through the Jewish people, um, the revelation of God through the scriptures came through the through the through Israel 
And so I think most Christians will understand that salvation is of the Jews, as Jesus said, because Jesus himself was and is a Jew. He's the Lion of Judah. Um, But what often Christians do not understand is that God is not finished with Israel. Um, Israel is also at the center of his future plans, that is to establish his kingdom. Um, Right now, Jesus, in his death and resurrection, he established salvation for us, but he also gained all authority in heaven on earth. So he is the rightful king of kings of the earth. And in his second coming, he is going to come again and establish his kingdom on the earth. Praise God. And he's going to reign for a thousand years. And Israel is at the center of this kingdom program, because in the Abrahamic covenant and the Davidic covenant, it's promised that this this Messiah from Israel will actually establish his kingdom through Israel. And Israel, and but that requires the salvation of Israel. Now, Israel initially re- has rejected Christ as a whole, and that's why she's had very troubled 2,000 years. She's not been in, in God's will as a nation. But God is not finished with her because, as Romans 11 makes clear, she's um, the elect nation of God, and God has predestined that he will establish his kingdom through Israel, and he will reign from Jerusalem as the capital of the earth, and Israel will be the chief nation in the earth. This is clear from all the the prophecies in the Old Testament and confirmed by the New Testament. And so the, the actual condition for the second coming of Christ, when he will establish his kingdom, is the national repentance and salvation of Israel. Zechariah 13 predicts that the the day is coming when Israel will realize that Jesus is her Messiah. And, And until she comes to that place, she will have many troubles, including what's happening right now. Um, but the, the time is coming when she will turn to, to Christ. But we need to realize that Jesus is not returning to London or New York. He's returning to Jerusalem. It's still his city, the city of the great king, and he will establish his kingdom through Israel. So all this is to say that the fact that Israel has been restored to the land in 1948, which, by the way, is a fulfillment of prophecy. The Bible says that he who scattered Israel to the nations will also gather her and make her a nation again in the land. And that took place about uh, 75 years ago. That's a stunning fulfillment of prophecy and that it was not a historical accident. That was an act of God. God is, as it were, setting the stage for the final drama and through which Israel will receive Christ and through which the kingdom of God will be established through Israel. And therefore, Satan's strategy down the centuries, and and it will continue, is uh, through this spirit of anti-Semitism to destroy the Jewish people. Because if he can destroy Israel and the Jewish people, then God's promises that he has made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and and so forth, will, will be null and void. And in a sense, God's plan to establish his kingdom will, will be defeated. Of course, that will not happen. It cannot happen. And uh, But this explains why Israel is at the center of a spiritual war.
author. What we what we have here behind all the human stories is actually a much bigger drama, whereby the. Um, you know, I believe Israel is is rightly back in her land. She's not, you know, as a whole in fellowship with God. But nevertheless, because of God's covenant with Israel, he has brought her back into the land to deal with her. Yeah. And to, you know, she is still, in a sense, under discipline, but she is there. And but but also the enemy, um, God's enemy, is also working to to in out of uh, to destroy Israel, mm, mm. and therefore this is actually the manifestation of a religious warfare, a spiritual warfare that's going on, that will ultimately reveal, you know, who is the true God. And so mm. this is very relevant to us as Christians because if God does not fulfill His promises to Israel, how can we be sure that He will fulfill His promises to us? Exactly. You know, that's actually the message at the end of Romans eight. Yeah. Through eleven, and so, yeah, that's it in a nutshell, really. Yeah, that, no, it's uh, been very informative as well, and there's a lot of information that you've just shared. Thank you so much, and I encourage our viewers if you have any further questions, we can dissect those questions and go into further detail. But Derek Walker, I started at the beginning of the program because I've been watching the news reports, and it's just heartbreaking to see all those youngsters attending a music festival. They were killed, they were kidnapped, and all sorts of things happening. You see that girl being dragged away on a motorcycle, screaming for the father. Everything, hum human stories, watching the news this evening, you're hearing they've gone into care homes, taking elderly people who can't even walk, can't even move, and they're kidnapping them, such things. The family are in despair. One particular one, a little bit close to my home, is we have family in Israel. And uh, my uncle sent me a message this evening, and this is what he wrote. He says, Auntie Mimi's daughter, Nicole, Nicole was in the kibbutz when they, be when they came to their place and killed somebody she knew. She, she managed to hide, but sadly saw what had happened. She is troubled psychologically and managed to escape to Jaffa. They killed 260 at the music festival and now they want mercy. They are terrible of what's going on and it's towards the innocent people. May God's protection be upon them all. She says also, they say, at least 800 were killed at the military, are still fighting terrorists in the, in the Israeli settlements, are still finding dead bodies of children and elders in every house they go into. They're warning people to store enough food and water for supplies for at least 72 hours in case things escalate even further. That's just one story. Now we're hearing about the death toll has increased to over a thousand people at the time of us recording this particular program, Derek. What is gonna happen next? A lot of questions are also asked about the IDF, the Israeli military, the Israeli defense forces. They're one of the best in the world. They have all the technologies available, but they simply didn't see this attack coming. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, we're going to call Derek back, but I encourage you, stay tuned and uh, continue to send in your questions and your emails. It's absolutely heartbreaking when you can put on the news and you see that so many people have died, thousands of people injured. I think between both sides as well, it's over 1,600 people have died in total. But when you put a human story to each of them, it's absolutely heartbreaking. I think we've got Derek back on the line. Are you there? Yes. 
Perfect. Derek, I was just asking you, a lot of questions have gone towards the Israeli government as well and asking they're having the best defence force, the military force in the world, but they didn't see this happening or they didn't see this coming. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, it's uh, interesting. I, I guess it's evidence, really, that um, Iran, uh, that, you know, it, it's above the level of organisation and skill used seems to be above what um, Hamas is used to operating in. And um, the most likely explanation, I think, is that they had a help from a higher power, yeah. as it were. And, and I don't mean God. No, no, <laughs> I mean, no. uh, uh, you know, probably Iran. Can I ask you, I think last week, Benjamin Netanyahu made an announcement of having contact with Saudi Arabia. Could that be some sort of retaliation in any way, do you think? The, yes, I, I think that Iran are concerned that uh, Israel's developing relationships with Saudi Arabia and... One possible explanation is that this was uh, uh, Iran's attempt to uh, to scupper that. Yeah. That might be part of their uh, of their reasoning. The emails are coming in. Let's go into our emails. This one's from uh, Clarissa. Clarissa, thank you so much for writing in, talking about how horrified she is by the attacks on Israel at the moment. And she's asking, does Derek think this was prophesied? And is it the beginning of something even bigger? And that's from Clarissa. Well, I, I don't think this specific battle is prophesied, although in Psalm 83, it, it does prophesy, you know, what I would say has been happening since 1948. You know, the the, the general, um, all the, the different attacks against Israel in the last days. But um, it, it could be very significant. Uh, one thought is that, you know, in 1973, um, in, on the Day of Atonement, there you know was the Yom Kippur War, and it's uh, Israel was again caught uh, napping because it was their national holiday. But there are stories, and I, I remember reading Lance Lombard's book called The Battle for Israel, and there were a lot of miraculous interventions of God in 1973. And it's in some way it's connected with the feast, the fact that they chose the feast to to attack. I, I think that uh, makes it an issue to God as well, because that's a violation of, of something sacred in the relationship between God and Israel. And exactly 50 years later to the day, the same thing happened. It's, it's just, I think, quite interesting. And, and again, it was a violation of a feast this time, the last day of tabernacles. And again, Israel were caught off guard. And I think that they may pray or pay a price for violating uh, something that is holy in, you know, uh, paying a bigger price than they normally did, as in the Yom Kippur War. But one possibility is, in terms of what it might lead to, Israel is clearly going to respond very strongly, much stronger than before. At the moment, there's a lot of sympathy for Israel, but what they're going to do is only just begun. They are going to I think they will want to literally take out Hamas, and that's going to use a huge exercise of force. Now, there is a possibility that that will then create sympathy for the Ezekiel 38 situation to happen. It could be the trigger for the Ezekiel 38 
you know, because not only Iran and then the, the more Israel, as it were, hammers Hamas, and of course that will mean collateral damage, um, then uh, it could be that the, the Muslim nations and, and Russia will, will turn against um, Israel, and it could lead to the Ezekiel 38 war, which which is a major fulfillment of prophecy that's going to happen in the end times. Mm -hmm. God is going to bring a num number of nations against Israel yeah. uh, in order to judge them. Well, and that's so exactly what Judith... Maybe seeing the prelude yeah. to that. Judith's actually referring to that, pretty much what you've just said as well, saying, good evening, gentlemen. Does Pastor Derek have any theories on where the dreadful development in Israel fits into his knowledge of the end times? You mentioned you mentioned about the end times. Can you go a little bit further, please? Well, it's just interesting that in the last days, uh, there, there are like three major prophecies of what's going to happen before, possibly before the tribulation. Uh, which is the final showdown. And that, that first is the rebirth of Israel in 1948. The second was the recapture of East Jerusalem, which is the original Jerusalem, the ancient Jerusalem, in 1967. Uh, Jesus predicted that in Luke 2124, um, that Jerusalem will be trodden of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are finished. And then the third major prophesied event is the Ezekiel 38 war, when Israel has been regathered to the land from many nations. And it particularly talks about the mountains of Israel. And I believe that's referring to the, the West Bank and the Golan Heights. Um, and th that there will be this invasion to they will take advantage of a certain situation that will will cause these nations to attack Israel and, I believe, particularly take over the West Bank, uh, probably in the name of setting up a Palestinian state. And that is a very significant event because on this occasion, God rolls up his sleeves and declares you're attacking my people and you're trying to take my land and I'm going to show you that I am still the God of Israel and God moves in judgment and totally wipes out these invading armies. And as a result of that, there will be a worldwide revival mm. because God will be will have declared his name in a very clear way. It won't be the, the, the Israeli forces that defeat the enemy. It, it will be God himself using his instruments of judgment. And so this will be a, a very clear demonstration of God to the world. That will be a great chance for many people to get saved, including in the Islamic nations when they see the, the God of Israel is, is actually the true God. So that's got to happen soon because it talks about there being a seven-year clear-up operation afterwards. So I don't believe that's talking about Armageddon. This is talking about an event that's possibly, you know, that we're going to see but something's got to catalyze it. The Bible says, God says, I will put a hook in the jaw of these invading armies. Mm -hmm. gonna, when In God's timing, he's going to bring them down to Israel to judge them on the anvil of Israel. Um, and we don't know what that hook is. I've always thought it might be when Iran develops a nuclear bomb and Israel attacks Iran, and that might be the trigger. But maybe this will be the trigger because Israel dare not, in a sense, just respond to Hamas in the normal way. She's going to take it to another level yeah. to make sure Hamas doesn't do this again. And that's going to re require 
you know, major force that has not been seen before. So um, it's going to get rather um, interesting and dangerous, I fear. Well, we've seen, the, we're seeing it on the streets of the UK, Derek, as well. I've got um, Catherine's written and <coughs> saying, totally disgusted by the anti-Semitic rants and lies shouted outside the Israeli embassy. Christians for Israel should go and wave Israeli flags on the mass. Seeing the footage this evening, there are demonstrations, pro-Palestine demonstrations as well, and they're kind of celebrating. We saw uh, Sadiq Khan announcing in London, especially more police on the, on the streets of London as well, because more demonstrations are taking place. Moments after the attacks, when Israel was attacked by thousands and thousands of, of rockets, into the Israeli land. We saw Rishi Sunak come out condemning the attacks. We saw Joe Biden and the US and such thing condemning that as well. What more could the political world leaders do in order to get involved in this? What do you think? Well, I think, you know, um, that what they're doing right now is, is fine and that's is expected and it's good. Um, that they're showing support. The real test of the issue is what's going to happen in a, in a week or two or three time. As time goes on, um, you know, there will be more and more, as Israel takes more and more actions, the sympathy will gradually move away from Israel. And then the political leaders will will reach a point where they will try and stop Israel from doing what it needs to do to, to Hamas. So at the moment, of course, Israel has all the sympathy. We've seen the pictures of the, the horrendous things that were done. But uh, the real test for these political leaders will be a couple of weeks down the line when Israel starts a, an invasion mm. of Gaza and uh, all that will go with that. Um, I think Israel has decided they can't allow Hamas to continue. So mm. whether they can that off or not, but it will get more controversial as time goes on because most people say, oh, just stop, don't, you know, don't do anything. Yeah. But of course, that's not an option for Israel. Well, tonight we've got so many emails coming. Let's go through some of these emails. This one's from Joshua. Thank you so much, Joshua, saying this is absolutely terrible with what Hamas is doing to Israel at this moment. Do you think this will lead to war in the West? I really, really hope not. So what is the consequence of this, Derek? Well, I think we've already discussed that. I, I don't think it will be war in the West necessarily, but it, it might provoke, um, it might increase the separation between the West and Russia because in the Ezekiel War, because Russia is increasingly, because of the Ukraine war, Russia's increasingly aligned with Iran, which is the major player in the Middle East. And obviously the West is going to support Israel. So it's only going to increase the polarization there. And Israel used to have a pretty good relationship with Russia. But again, because of the Ukraine war, that is getting cooler. Mm. So things are moving closer to the Ezekiel 38 situation. That's how I see it playing out rather than the direct war, but you know, uh, between the West and and. In, in the east, but there'll be a kind of proxy war, of course, with the West supporting Israel and and perhaps Russia and the Islamic nations supporting, especially Iran, supporting you know the Palestinians. So that it could it could get very dangerous. 
Okay, this next one's from Paul and Ruth saying, <coughs> Blessings to you both, Cyrus and Derek. It states in the gospel that he who kills with the sword will die by the sword. Is this a message right across the board as it were? I ask this in light of what is happening around the world. Is this the answer to peace or total annihilation of the world? What is your perception of this? That's from Paul and Ruth. Well, ultimately, peace will only come through through the world receiving Jesus, you know, as the Prince of Peace. He will come and establish peace. And as Jesus predicted, until that time comes, wars and rumors of wars are going to continue and they'll increase. Um, uh, and But when, you know, if you look at the Bible as a whole, you know, war is not always wrong. There's a sense in which... Uh, but you need to be careful that you are fighting a just war. You should, there are rules for fighting a just war. You, you know, if it's a war to defend yourself, that is justified. And, um, of, of course, war is, in a sense, evil because it involves the taking of life. But sometimes it's the lesser of two evils. If somebody raids your house and wants to kill your children, you know, you have a right to defend yourself and, you know, do what's necessary to, to do that. And so it, that would be the lesser evil. I believe the World War Two was a, you know, a just war and uh, and so on. So we're not saying that all war is, is wrong. Sometimes it's necessary, like in Israel's case, to defend themselves. Mm. They have to do it in the correct way. They've always endeavored to their best ability. It's not possible always to never take a civilian life, but they've always done their best, as it were, to minimize civilian casualties. That's okay. part of a just war. And written in to say, hello, Siren Derek, can you please explain Isaiah 19, verse 22 to 25? It speaks about Egypt, Assyria and Israel will be one. When will this be? I think that will be fulfilled in the millennium. Um, a lot of the prophecies that uh, there are prophecies that describe judgments on nations, but then there are also prophecies that look forward into the future golden age when the Messiah is reigning on the earth. And that's one of those. And in the millennium, in the th when Christ is ruling, there will be a wonderful uh, restoration of the nations. And that will be fulfilled again when Jesus returns. Okay, we're getting emails constantly. Maybe some viewers might have missed the beginning part. But this one's from Satinder saying, Greetings to you both. I can't put in words how shocked and surprised I was by the Hamas tax on Israel. My question for Pastor Derek is, um, does he think this will lead to a wider war, especially as Benjamin Netanyahu said, the Middle East will not look the same after they've finished? Blessings from Satinda. You partly answered that question earlier. Do you want to emphasize yeah. a little bit more, maybe? Well, of course, no, none of us knows the future exactly, we, but we do know what the Bible says about the future. If it does lead to a wider, wider war, uh, of course, the big question is, will... will Hezbollah get into involved? Will the Palestinians in the West Bank get involved? You know, um, but a bigger question is, will Iran and will Russia get involved? And, and But if there is a wider war, 
I would say maybe this is the fulfillment of Ezekiel 38. Uh, maybe this is the prelude to that, because th this is something that hasn't happened before. This is on a level that has not happened before. So Israel is going to take very strong actions, and um, and we, you know, something could well come out of that, uh, such as the Ezekiel 38 scenario. This next one's from Barbara. You've got a nice name, same as my mum's name, that one. <laughs> uh, good evening to you both. Lovely to see you again. With the, bless with the terrible events that is happening in Israel, which we are praying for, and uh, this verse came to mind. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction come onto them, suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Now, while I don't think this verse is necessarily referring to what is happening right now, it surely predicts similar things that will happen in the end times. Can you please tell me what you think? Your teaching and thoughts are so valuable, and thank you and blessings. Yes, the um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 and 3 describe the, the day of the Lord, which is the tribulation that will happen like a thief in the night, which means it will happen suddenly. And I believe that's a reference to the rapture, that immediately after the rapture, the, the time of judgment called the day of the Lord will take place. And then in verse 3, it describes that everyone will be saying peace and safety, everything's okay. And, and you know, um, that that is pictured by, by what's happened recently. You know, basically, uh, they thought, you know, things w were, were fairly calm and Israel was not expecting anything, and then suddenly it happens. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be the same way when the tribulation starts, but just on a much bigger scale, on a worldwide scale. People will be saying, oh, peace and safety, everything's fine. Then suddenly the rapture will happen, and then suddenly destruction will fall on the earth. And then it describes it. We know it's the tribulation because it says it will be like a woman who is suddenly overtaken by labor pains. Exactly. And labor pains is one of the classic descriptions of the tribulation, because it, it's like a woman in labor about to give birth to a baby. And what's about to be given birth is the kingdom of God on the earth. But before that will be these labor pains because of the, the curse, because of the kingdom of darkness is resisting that. But the whole tribulation is compared to a time of labor pains. So, yeah, it's it's not the same situation as 1 Thessalonians 5. But in, if you like, I put it like this. It's like a Braxton. What we're facing now is like Braxton Hicks contractions that are not the actual labor pains, but they, they often are like, feel like them. But the labor pains will be on a bigger scale. Okay. This next one's from Alwyn in South Wales, praying for Israel. It's only a matter of time for the second coming. Thank you so much, Alwyn. This next one's from William in uh, New Townards in Northern Ireland. And he's saying, hi, Cyrus, could you please ask Pastor Derek if the war going on in Israel at the minute could be as part of described in Psalm 88, or do you think it just could be the start of Ezekiel 38, as mentioned previously? So is this part of Psalm 83? 83 yes um, I don't believe I don't believe Psalm 83 is a particular battle it doesn't read like that it but it describes the situation in the latter days when Israel comes to birth again as a nation and it, it describes a whole host of all the surrounding nations 
that conspire to to attack Israel. And I think it describes the overall history from 1948 until the present day, rather than a specific battle. Um, and and so I, I I am what I'm really looking for is Ezekiel 38 mm. going to happen. Amen. And uh, this this could be it. Who knows? Amen. I didn't uh, compliment you on your dress way. You look very smart tonight, by the way, Derek. You just Thank need to you. strengthen straighten your tie a little bit. Yeah, it keeps going on. There cool. we go. We've got it now. Well yeah. done. <laughs> Dylan in Northern Ireland, our good friend Dylan, thanks so much for writing. Good evening, dear brother and Sai and Pastor Derek. I think we should all remember to pray for the boldness and great authority of Benjamin Netanyahu, for him to be strengthened each day to deal with Hamas and their murderous intentions. Do you have any thoughts on Benjamin Netanyahu's reaction to the recent attacks, Derek? Well, yeah, I mean, he he is um, a strong, experienced leader, yep. and uh, I believe he's a, a God-fearer. So uh, we should pray, yes, indeed, for, for the leaders. And it's a very difficult decision, particularly because of all the hostages. Yes. And, and I don't, there is no easy solution to what, you know, how, what are they going to do? Um, they do need wisdom to to do it in the right way but to i think they they have to as i said deal a very very strong blow against hamas but in a way that minimizes you know the loss of innocent life uh, and and of course the hostages so exactly. i would want to be the one you know making yeah. those decisions yeah, there are reports as well saying for every rocket that's fired into into the territory, Hamas are going to kill one of the Israeli hostages. It's it's a very difficult position for any leader to make that decision as well. But uh, it's difficult times. We just always keep praying for the peace of Israel. Uh, this next one here is from Thomas. And Thomas written saying, Hi, Derek. Thank you for all the programs. Are Jews saved to heaven? by other means than Jesus. We love Israel, people and the land, and bless you all. And that's from Thomas. No, the, the Bible says that, you know, the salvation, the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, whether Jew or Gentile. So the Jews uh, and the Israel are a chosen nation, chosen to fulfill God's purposes, but individual Jews are saved in just the same way as 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 Gentiles. There's, there is no difference, and and I think the Bible is very clear on that issue. So they need to hear the gospel as as we do. This next one's from Glenda to say, we as Christians ought to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem, for God's supernatural protection over Israel, for Israeli citizens and for the innocent in Gaza and Lebanon. God bless from Glenda. It's very true because some of these terrorists, their very clever strategy is to put themselves in the hiding place of innocent civilians. And therefore, sadly, sometimes those rockets are hitting civilian, civilian locations as well. Yes, and as I said, in the past, Israel's always been as careful as they can be. But whatever they do, they're going to be criticized. Yeah. But yes, they, they definitely use human shields. But one gets the feeling that, that, that Hamas has crossed a red line and Israel um, are taking the gloves off. And they will consider, you know, if there's a, 
a, a mosque or a school or whatever. But if it's harboring terrorists and rockets and so on, that they will be less restrained in dealing with that. So, um, so yeah, we, the one thing that will will hold Israel back is is international pressure. So it's going to be a, a very tricky time, I believe. Um, but Israel do need to make some kind of decisive impact in weakening Hamas. Yvonne, they can't allow the situation to keep happening. Yvonne's written in to say Israel and Palestine conflict. As Christians, I am very distressed to the, see the level of violence from both sides. I feel the international community doesn't seem to have any empathy for the suffering of the Palestinian people. Israel cutting off the electricity, water and access to food, punishing the women and the children cannot be acceptable. And that is from Yvonne. Do you have any thoughts on that one, Derek? Yeah, I, I think that, that that needs to be understood. You know, they're not going to do that forever um because of again the consequences um but they will they what they are doing is they are making a show of strength and they are showing the weakness of hamas's position and what they have to do is is a tricky thing they they have to weaken hamas and they have to you know use these methods I'm sure they're not going to continue it so that two million people die. But um, they will, it's a show of strength, weakening them so that when they invade, you know, they will surrender much more easily. And actually life, life will be saved. So you have to see the bigger picture of, of what they have to do. You know, it's easy for us to to criticize and say, oh, they're using force, but they don't have an alternative. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have got enemies of a certain nature, you can't just sit back and philosophize. You you have to take actions, and those are very difficult decisions. Um, so yeah, they, I I don't think they will continue that for more than a week or whatever, but they'll do it long enough to to send a very strong signal. This next one here is from Nina. Uh, good evening to you both. I'm mindful of the Bible study recently when David felt alone, surrounded by the enemies. I think this was last week. I'm trying to think of that psalm. We know it came to good for him. If it does feel that Israel is surrounded again by threats, but I know this is not a new thing. I was due to go to Israel tomorrow. I was due to be baptized in the River Jordan on Thursday and visit the holy sites. I, visit, I waited 20 years for this opportunity. Although I'm very sad that I'm not going, I lift up Israel to our Father. It seems there are no winners with this war. I pray that this is all over quickly and peace will become the norm, although I doubt it will happen. Thank you for the discussing this, this important topic tonight. And that is from Nina. Thank you so much, Nina. We've talked so much about Israel and I think it's important we maybe pray for Israel right now. Can we just say a prayer for Israel during these difficult times, please, Derek? Sure. Lord, Lord, we pray most of all that Israel will turn to you, Lord, with all their heart. The secular Jews, the, the Orthodox Jews, Lord, that they, Lord, that you would reveal Yeshua, to them, Lord, they are out of fellowship with you, and, and this is the root cause of their troubles. And we pray, O oh God, that they will 
increasingly wake up and turn to you, Lord, for their salvation. Lord, we pray that you give the leaders of Israel wisdom. We, we pray that you uh, prevent any more loss of life. Lord, protect them from the rockets coming in and so forth. Uh, Lord, we, we pray that you will cause this uh, of tragedy to turn their hearts to you and not be self-sufficient, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Derek. Uh, more questions here. Bible prophecy. Good evening, gentlemen. Thank you for the program. Pastor Derek, is there a Bible prophecy that states during the latter times Israel will be temporarily at peace without having walls for boundaries? This uh, Will this take place after this current situation is sorted? That's from Tricia. Um, I've written a book. Uh, the, the quotation there is um, from Ezekiel 38 and 39. I have written a book, if you're interested, called The Imminent Invasion of Israel that you can get from Amazon, where I talk about the, this war. And uh, I, I think um, it doesn't, it talks about Israel developing, uh, dwelling securely in the land. So yes, there are periods when Israel is very secure um, because of her defenses, that security has been rocked recently. But um, it, it's not so much that Israel will be at peace, but she will dwell securely because she feels well defended and well supported, perhaps by by America and so on. So uh, that that prophecy is talking about a time when Israel will will feel like it's a relative peace, maybe after just winning a big victory. Um, and then suddenly there will be this surprise invasion. This one's from Chris talking about Israel. Chris in Ireland, I think Israel has no opinion but to launch a ground offensive and completely occupy Gaza, taking over the entire territory. This is a game changer. The Middle East will never be the same again. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly and that is from chris in ireland thank you chris this next one saying hi to you both in the last seven years of the earth age if the jews escape to petra there is at least ten and a half years when ezekiel war starts people think it's a lot nearer but can't be what do you think that's from liz yes i i see the, the logic there is that um there's a seven-year clear-up operation after the Ezekiel War, um, and the Jews in the mountains of Israel, Judea, Samaria, are told by Jesus to escape at mid-tribulation. That's three and a half years before the end. Um, that's the woman in Revelation 12 escaping into the wilderness. Jesus talks about it as well in Matthew 24, 15 to 21, where, where the Jews in, in those areas escape. So the logic of that is that there, it will happen. The Ezekiel War has got to happen, if that logic is correct, at least 10 and a half years before the, um, the second coming of Christ. So, yeah. Um, I, th I think that's 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 the way I see it. It could be wrong, but um, in other words, the, on my reckoning, the Ezekiel thirty-eight war has got to be quite close. Mm. This next one's from Paul and Ruth. Thank you so much for writing in. Hi to you both. If anyone broke into my house, I will let him take what he likes as long as he did not require my soul. And he says, I would hope. <laughs> I would hope. 
Um, I would, I would, I hope, declare my love for Jesus and pray that they would turn to only the one who can save us. Jesus is all for those that believe. God bless you all and the team, Paul and Rue. Thank you so much. This next one here is saying from Peter in Merseyside. Uh, hi to you, Cyrus and Derek. Derek, can you please clarify how this situation in Israel could turn into Ezekiel 38 and 39, given that the main attacker of Israel is Ezekiel 38 and 39, is Russia with Iran as an ally? And does Russia still have a military a presence on the Golan Heights, Derek? Thank you so much. And that's from Peter. Yes, Russia is a key player. And it's, see, the thing is, uh, until the Ukraine war, Russia and Israel have had a very good relationship. Putin likes has liked Netanyahu especially. Um, but it says that God will put a hook in the jaw of Gog and bring him down to Israel. So it's not something that he wants to do, but some situation will arise that, that will, in a sense, force uh, Russia's hand in getting involved. So Certainly what we know is that um, it's because of the Ukraine war, the the Russia-Israel relationship has soured. The Russia-Iran relationship has strengthened. But there has to be a major event that will catalyze Russia wanting to punish Israel and um, or teach Israel a lesson. And um, it will possibly think that's an easy target for her to do is to attack the West Bank uh, and with all the support of the Islamic nations. So one scenario is if Israel attacks Iran because of her nuclear weapons. Another scenario could be out of this war if Israel hit, um, you know, uh, Hamas so hard that everyone starts uh, attacking Israel now, and somehow Russia could be pulled into that. So it is a possible scenario. We can only guess. Um, but it needs something major like this to actually be the catalyst for the Ezekiel War. Thank you, Derek. I just want to remind our viewers, we've got so many emails still. We're going to cover as many as we can, but also I want to remind you so much information is shared during this program. And if you want more information of previous Q&A shows or you want to watch this one again, you can do so by going to our website, revelationtv.com. Check out our video on demand service. Just see the video section and you'll be able to watch this program again. And more importantly, share it with your friends and family because this is so very important. It's a very, very, very special program tonight. And we're very grateful for Pastor Derek having his time to share his thoughts and his perspectives with our viewers. So we really appreciate you, Pastor Derek. I've got another question here. It's from Marilyn in Wales. Uh, in Genesis, God tells Moses that your days are numbered to 75. I was born in 1950 and Israel became a state in 1948. So biblically, that is a generation. What is the significance of the biblical timelines? Marilyn in Wales. Yes, I, I disagree with that. <clears throat> in Psalm 90, it says, um, uh, de describes a man's life as 70 or by reason of strength, 80. But if you look at the context of Psalm 90, that was a psalm written by Moses in the wilderness. And this was Israel under the judgment of God. 
Um, remember that the generation that refused to obey God were under judgment, and they were not allowed to enter into the promised land. So their lifespans were, were cut short. Um, in Psalm 91, Moses described, uh, you know, the, the, for a believer, the promise is with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And long life, as defined by the Bible in Genesis 6-3, and we know it's true from biology, is 120 years. You see, actually, even now, 80 years is just the average lifespan now, uh, let alone the, the full lifespan. So, you need to understand that a full human lifespan is 120 years. So a generation is not 70 years or 80 years. Uh, and Jesus said this generation will not pass away. Actually, the generation that sees the fig tree, which I agree, 1948, this generation will not all pass away. That's slightly different than a generation. In other words, it's saying it's within a man's lifespan of probably 1948. But I think in terms of uh, 120 years as being a full lifespan. I've written a book on this, by the way, called Keys to Long Life. It's available on Amazon, and uh, I, I teach on the promises of long life. So if you're 70, you're, you're, you've just passed middle age, really, but you're, you're not in the old category yet. Wonderful. Yeah. Derek, your tie's gone wandering around again. I think it's time to straighten it up. And there we go. We're back. <laughs> All right. This next one here is from Jean. Uh, hi. It's so, sor it's so sorrowful to see this happening. I fully believe in what you are saying, Derek. We may have been caught off guard um, by this, but certainly not as much as Israel, I believe. And if and when Israel chooses to really fight back, then watch Russia, China and Iran Oh, Lord, we pray for your peace in Jerusalem and your divine hand. Lead, guide um, your people and protect them. We, we did talk about Iran. We talked about Russia, but we haven't talked about China, Derek. What are your insights on China? What do you think? Well, I, China isn't really mentioned in the, in the prophecies. Um, China plays a very clever game. Um, she doesn't get involved in the kind of military stuff, not so far, because she is interested in her economy exactly. and gaining power through economy. So China is may exercise diplomatic pressure, but she will not actually muddy herself by getting directly involved. This next one's from John, uh, John and Tyring Galway. Where in Revelation do you think we are at at the moment, Derek? Well, we're still in the church age, so technically speaking, we're in the in the um, chapters two and three, uh, which describes, I believe, the course of. I've written a book called A Panorama of Prophecy, and part of that book, I I developed the theory, let's put it that way, that the seven churches in Revelation two and three describe the seven ages of church history. And, and we are in that final Laodicean age right now of the church. And, um, and so, you know, uh, we, then Revelation chapter 4, uh, you know, basically takes you to the new developments that take place after the rapture. And after the rapture, John uh, sees the events in heaven after the rapture and the beginning of the tribulation. So we're still in the church age. We're still in Revelation 3, if we were going to put it, a chapter on it. 
this next one's from Debs in Wakefield. Uh, good evening. Obviously, we are closer to Jesus coming back every day. History does seem to repeat itself and Jubilee Day is significant. I pray for the peace of Israel. I'm struggling to understand Old Testament, i.e. when the temple was built in relation to Joseph's time and if the temple on earth with its gold walls and many gates, etc., is what is being built in heaven to come to earth at the begin at the new beginning. Also, there are, are there many gates significance of something? If so, what? That's from Debs. Well, it's a, it's a huge subject. Um, the heavenly temple, I believe, is the new Jerusalem that's already built. And yes, all the details of that are significant. Um, it's in heaven right now. It's described in Revelation 21 and 22. And after the thousand years, at the end of time, this heaven and earth will be destroyed and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly temple will come down and land on the new earth, and that will be the eternal state. All the earthly temples, by the way, are made after the pattern of the heavenly temple. Temple is God's dwelling place with man, and uh, there are different temples throughout history um, that God uses to teach about um, his desire to dwell with man. The ultimate temple of God is us, redeemed mankind in Christ. But this is a huge subject. This next one's from Uri. We've got about three minutes to go, Derek. Uh, this one's, hi, Pastor Cyrus and Pastor Derek. I was reading the parable of the great feast in Matthew, and I found this verse interesting. It's Matthew 22, 11 to 14. I understand it is saying we cannot be unprepared for the day of judgment. However, it seemed harsh this person received the same punishment as those who did not care to come to the feast at all. Do you have any explanation on these verses? So that's Matthew 22, 11 to 14. Uh, let me just check. I think it's the man who came to the feast but wasn't dressed. Matthew, um, 11, Matthew 22. 22, 11. Let me 11 just double to check. 14, yes on the same page yes he saw a man that didn't have a wedding garment um and and he was thrown out and it would seem like he's he's rejected and jesus said many are called but few are chosen so this again is is somebody who um is wearing his own clothes rather than putting on the, the special garment um, uh, for, for the wedding so my understanding of that is that we cannot go to heaven and be accepted in God's kingdom on our own works, on our own righteousness. And anyone who tries, they might have a belief in God, but they, if they try and be accepted by God by saving themselves, by being trying to keep the law and be good enough, um, they will be rejected because we're all sinners. We can't save ourselves. We have to trust in Christ and let him clothe us with his righteousness, and then we can enter in. And I think that's what the, the wedding garment uh, represents. This one's talking about Israel. Um, here are the words of a wee song sung here in Ireland. At least he says, he signed my deed and his, with his atoning blood. He ever lives to make his promise good. 
though all the hosts of hell march in to make second claim. They'll all march out of the mention of his name, and that is Jesus, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. That's from two Irish um, Ulsters, Hearts for Israel. That's praying for Israel right now. We're in the last minute of the program. Do you have any final thoughts on what is going on right now in Israel, Derek? Well, this is a reminder that there is a, this is a spiritual battle that's going on, that ultimately uh, Jesus is going to, you know, be victorious in. But we need to understand it's behind the scenes. There are spiritual principalities and powers at work and major issues are being being decided. So we need to, if we're going to pray, we should also, you know, put, make sure we're covered in God's armor because mm -hmm. we are actually dealing with, uh, we're wrestling against principalities and powers. There, There's Amen. more going on that, that meets the eye. Amen. Pastor Derek Walker from the Oxford Bible Church. I want to say a big thank you for your time. It's been a very special program tonight. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much to all our viewers. We mentioned it earlier. There's a video on demand section on our website. So much information has been shared with tonight. This has been the Q&A special on Israel. And we continue to pray for the peace of Israel and all those people, innocent lives that have been affected. May the Lord Heavenly Father keep his hand over Israel during these times over the coming days, weeks, months, and years. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Q&A show, 10 o'clock on Monday. God bless, bye-bye.